0: All right, we are live. The wheels seem to be falling off the COVID-19 official narrative. Remember over the past few years how you were called crazy conspiracy theorists if you thought maybe COVID escaped from a lab in China? Or uh, remember when you were labeled anti-science if you objected to mask mandates? Well, now you can't even pick up a New York Times uh, newspaper without seeing some articles uh, showing that these, these narratives are all falling apart. So we're going to be talking about that. Also, our very own Justin Haskins recently wrote an article about the 1792 exchanges report on woke companies that went pretty viral. So we're going to be talking about this and more on episode 387 of the In the Tank podcast. Welcome to the In The Tank podcast. As always, I'm your host, Donald Kendall, and we have got a full crew for you today. Joining me, I've got Jim Lakeley, VP of the Heartland Institute. How are you doing today, good sir?
1: I am good. I'm glad to be back uh, from Florida from our climate conference and back on the show as regular. I know that uh, viewership was probably way down last week because I wasn't on the show, but uh, fear not,
0: I'm back. Yes, yeah, no, we just had like a sob session, just, you know, lamenting the fact that you weren't there. That was all the show was.
1: No, nothing but crying face emojis we're are put in
0: the chat, I <laughs> is what I understand. That's right, that's right. Also joining us, Justin Haskins, director of the Socialism Research Center here at the Heartland Institute. Also uh, absent last week, joining us this week. How are you doing today, good sir? I'm doing well. I can't remember
2: why I was absent last week. Was that one of those many snowstorms that that's has right. hit? Yes. Apparently, and I didn't know this because this is my first go around having a kid, but apparently, when there's snow, they make you watch your own kid at home and you can't take him to daycare. So apparently that's a thing. I didn't know that was a thing. I just assumed they were always open, like the Postal Service or something.
0: But... No, no. You can't drop it off at yeah. the mail center, though, if you want to drop your kid <laughs> off. Or That's just one of the, the many services, the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> they're getting into that realm. They can't deliver letters really well. So now they're getting into child care. Well, what do you oh, do on Sunday?
3: <laughs> Chris Talgo, editorial director at the Heartland Institute. How are you doing today, good sir? I'm doing good. I'm still, uh, you know, celebrating uh, Lori Lightfoot's boss from a couple days ago. I know that we could be on the uh, brink of something even worse, but I think that I hope the people of Chicago will come through, show some common sense and elect someone who's going to get this city back in order. See mm-hmm,
0: see this sure. is this is the state that conservatives <laughs> are at in the Chicagoland area. You can only be happy and celebrate in between the election and the uh, and the runoff election <laughs> when the when the mayoral campaign the it really It's
2: what they call yeah. the sweet spot, Donald. It's right sweet right. spot.
1: One of, one of my mottos is is that things can always get worse, and they probably will. So that's uh, <sighs> it's nice to applaud a Chicago.
0: Exactly. Um, audio only listeners that are probably catching the show on a Friday or later. You can join us a day earlier on Thursdays at noon central time and catch the show live on YouTube and Rumble and Facebook and Twitter. You can join the conversation, throw your comments in there. They'll show up in our chats. Maybe we'll show your comments on the screen. Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. Also, you can help us out greatly by either leaving a review on iTunes, which would be greatly appreciated, or if you're watching on YouTube, hitting that like button, sharing this content, hitting subscribe, or even leaving a comment under the video, I'll help break through those big tech algorithms that prevent videos like this to be shown to more people. Jim, this is uh, for the past seven weeks of this show, eight weeks or whatever. This is usually when I give you a uh, TU up to talk about the upcoming ICC 15, but it's over. It's done. How relieved are you, good sir?
1: I'm pretty relieved. I'm not quite physically over all of the <laughs> all the hard work that entails um, managing a, a major climate conference uh, with two distinct breakout panels plus a great uh, uh, ballroom where we have meals and have plenary sessions so uh, probably need a couple more days of recovery time but it was a smashing success uh, It was February 20 uh, 24 and 25 so uh, last Friday and Saturday in Orlando Florida uh, we had about 300 people in attendance we had a fantastic speaking lineup um, Andy right now is actually going through our producer he's going through some of the raw video. To show and and put up there for each of the individual uh, presentations. But if you go right there and you can see it on the screen, climateconference.heartland.org, you can see every minute of that conference and all the important uh, information that was relayed there. Uh, We had a keynote by Senator Ron Johnson, Wisconsin. I got to meet him. uh, Seems like a good dude and gave a fantastic speech. So you can see that at climateconference.heartland.org. Um, we had representative Lauren Bobert, and I have a picture of you that Ada can show here in a minute. Uh, she she gave a speech. She gave a speech right after Ron Johnson. Uh, she was outstanding. Uh, we had Alex Epstein, who is uh, one of the best young communicators on energy policy in the world, uh, talk about his new book, Fossil Future. We had uh, scientist Dr. Richard Lindzen, who uh, is often too busy or just uh, you know can't make our conferences. He spoke at the conference, Judy Curry, who we've had uh, on the Climate Change Roundtable show, again, one of the most prominent, if there's a hearing on Capitol Hill about climate change, She's on the short list for people who are witnesses to come and speak about it from a realist perspective. So up and down the up and down the the program from scientists to policy experts to even elected officials. It was one of our best yet. You can um, actually we've we've put the videos there. I'm almost done uh, doing I'll have it done today. But, you know, every single room, the entire block of everything that was presented in that room on each of the two days is all strung together and, and it's chapters, there's chapters there so you can just browse and if there's somebody or some topic you're interested in, you can go right to it. Um, it's the best way we've presented this right after the conference yet. So uh, I encourage everyone to go over there and check it out. You have plenty of time to, to, to learn a lot about the climate. And uh, it was just just a fantastic time. Uh, I'm so glad that we did it. I'm a little bit glad that it's over (laughs) because it's less work for me. But it's been uh, it was definitely one of our best yet. And nobody in the world does these conferences the way the Heartland Institute does.
0: Yeah, I watched a fair amount of it. I mean, there's a ton of panels and a ton of keynote stuff. So by watching a fair amount, I mean, probably 25 percent. There's still a couple of things that I want to tune into, but I'll wait until Andy gets all the individual videos up. But I, I watched uh, I watched those ad- uh, most of those addresses that you had mentioned. Uh, Ron Johnson just hit it out of the park, in my opinion. I watched mm-hmm. the award ceremony parts. Uh, really good content, and most importantly, especially from your perspective and our producer andy's it seemed to go smoothly so uh you know kudos to that i did see that uh, a fair amount of our regular listeners that are probably tuned in right now to this show were also commenting along and watching in some of the live streams and there was one point because i was like hours behind the actual like live point but i was still seeing the live comments there was like a couple of comments that like in, it, it made it seem to me that there was like a protester or something. Did that happen, Jim, or was I misinterpreting some comments, a protester? You mean in our comments or physically on site? On site. No, we didn't have a protester. Okay. okay. All right. Cause you've no, had I mean, some of that before, right? At least we, like across the street or outside the hotel.
1: Yeah, it was actually a little disappointing we didn't get a protester this year. We haven't had one in a couple of years. But yeah, when we held one, uh, maybe it was the 10th or 9th climate conference, we had it in Chicago. It just happened to coincide with some kind of leftist environmental confab that was going oh. on. And and then they ended up showing up, you know, we had it on Michigan Ave uh, here in Chicago at the Hilton Hotel, I believe. And they showed up across the street to protest us. And so some of our speakers went outside
0: nice.
1: and, and confronted them and talked to them about it. So that was kind of fun. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it was great. Um, you know, I got to know I want to have Andy pull up a couple of pictures. I got to know uh, Lauren Bobert. You know, she she's uh, on the Natural Resources Committee. Uh, her family has a history of working in the energy industry. Uh, her husband is still in the, uh, the energy industry. I believe he works in natural gas. And, uh, you know, you get politicians most of the time when politicians come to an event, uh, any event. Um, you know, they'll come in, they show up about 15 minutes before they're supposed to speak, speak, and then they're out of there 15 minutes after they're done speaking. Uh, Lauren Boebert actually showed up a day early. She um, she was scheduled to speak on Saturday uh, at lunch, and that's when Ron Johnson spoke as well. She showed up the night before. She just walked in the back of the room to watch Alex Epstein's presentation on fossil fuels uh, and then, you know, I mentioned her from the stage. I was, I was informed she was there just a minute ago. You know, or a minute before I went up to introduce Alex Epstein, and I said, you know, and and I understand Representative Laura Boebert is here just to check out uh, the conference. It's nice to see, you know, nice nice to have her here. And then I got off the stage and I walked to the end, and uh, uh, she got up from where she was sitting, came over to me, and shook my hand and said, that was very nice of you to mention. I'm here. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't get that a lot from politicians. As a, as a rule, and, th- and she's an exception. You know, politicians are not my favorite. Let's just say class of people or category of people. Uh, my experience with politicians has not always been great, but she was, she was cool. And then, but then she was invited. Hey, we're going to have a little cigar. Uh, we have, have some drinks and cigars outside at the end of the night. You know, would you like to come down? Of course she says, yeah, sure. I'll make it if I can. And that answer always is just, just a nice way to say, no, I'm too busy because I'm a very busy person. Nope. She came out. And uh, as, <laughs> as Andy just showed up on the screen, um, she was eager to have a cigar and uh, she hung out with us and chatted about all sorts of stuff, her life, our lives, politics, energy policy for two hours. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. So I got to say, I'm kind of a fan of Lauren Boebert as, as an individual person. She's, uh, she was pretty cool. But that was, that was fun. And again, if you come to these conferences, you get to do things like this, not just hang out with us. I mean, that's a big deal, right? You know, hang out <laughs> with me outside. But all of the, the, one of the great things about the conference is the fellowship you get with other, uh, other fans of this topic and the people
0: that are coming to speak at it. So it was, uh, so- it was a great success one of the uh, the main ballroom things had like a a, a discussion about uh, uh carbon taxes or something yeah. so i was halfway through watching that one of the nights and then i was going to tune i was going to tune in the next day and finish it off and i was met with a youtube copyright strike and the video was taken down. I'm just like YouTube. I swear, you are just <laughs> you are just the absolute worst. But uh, I think you got that content back up. But then something that you told me about the other day was that the Epic Times, uh, mm-hmm. who we you know do a lot of work with, uh, they published our streams as well on their websites. And on those sites, I, I went through and I added them all up, Jim. They have over a hundred thousand views between those videos. So I was like, wow, that's that's amazing, uh, yeah. amazing reach.
1: That was great. Yeah, 100, 100, more than 100,000 people tuned into at least part of the program over the two days. I mean, that's, that's probably our best return on that ever. Uh, thank you to our friends at the Epic Times and their NDT uh, TV uh, network. So uh, that's, that was just great. So, you know, the important part is that the message is getting out that climate realism is scientifically based, and it's also it makes common sense. And it will actually save this country because we are going down a very uh, dangerous path, frankly, economically and freedom wise, based on climate alarmism. And so uh, you can watch all these videos and learn exactly why uh, humans are not causing a climate crisis.
0: engineer guy uh, has a comment saying, did any media report on the ICCC? No, of course not. Of course not. In fact, the reason why is because if you look at our speakers list, you see a very good uh, uh uh professional list of different speakers that have like resumes that are, are amazing resumes mm-hmm. and all of this not a loon in the bunch and that's why you know if, they, if it was a bunch of wackos or something like that yeah that they would cover it and be like oh look at these crazy people but it's like when you see this lineup of all these like really professional scientific speakers and all of this they're like this wouldn't look good if we reported on this. Uh, let's just ignore it. So yeah, no, I, they didn't. They didn't report.
1: <laughs> no, I mean so, some conservative media uh, will has reported on it and will report on it. But the main, the the legacy, the corrupt legacy media uh, decided about four conferences ago that if they cover us. Then people will actually hear the message, and if they hear the right. message, uh, that's dangerous. So they they have come, they've gotten to the conclusion that they will just ignore us. So we have to go around them and stream it ourselves on places like uh, YouTube. So you know, I'm actually happy that YouTube didn't pull the whole darn thing down.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the Climate Change Roundtable show, which is on Fridays at noon Central Time on our main Heartland Institute YouTube channel, they're going to be covering the conference and kind of the uh, response to it and all of that in full. So we'll leave uh, the rest of the discussion to be discussed on that show. And we're going to move on because we have plenty to talk about. So like I mentioned at the start of this episode, there's a number of stories that have been coming out that seem to rebuke the official narratives that have been propagated by the corporate media and the government officials. Perhaps the most, uh, probably the biggest of these stories comes from the U.S. Department of Energy, who have now concluded... That the, quote, most likely origin of the COVID-19 pandemic was, wait for it, a lab leak in Wuhan, China. So I'm reading from a Wall Street Journal article, and it says the U.S. Energy Department has concluded that the COVID pandemic most likely arose from a laboratory leak, according to a classified intelligence report recently provided to the White House and key members of Congress. So real quick, you might be saying, why is the U.S. Department of Energy having anything to do with identifying the origin of viruses? Well, apparently, and this is news to me, the U.S. Department of Energy oversees a network of U.S. national laboratories, some of which conduct advanced biological research. News to me, but that's why they they are covering this. I guess there are several agencies that uh, have investigated the origins of COVID-19, and now the U.S. Department of Energy is in agreement with the FBI about COVID originating from a lab leak. So, um, first off, sorry if I don't sound shocked by this news. <laughs> I mean, from very early on, uh, you could have put me in the Jon Stewart camp on this topic. Do you, you remember the uh, when Jon Stewart was on the Stephen Colbert show? And he says, oh, there's a novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. Uh, What do we do? Oh, you know who we can ask? The Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab (laughs) in Wuhan, China. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) I mean, we got we got I would love to show that clip, but we got tagged for copyright last time we showed it. So, uh, Justin, I'm going to go to you as just because Jim spoke so long on the ICC stuff. Get you involved in the mix. What is significant about this to you?
2: Um that they admitted it, I think is significant. And I think it's strange because they they don't they don't admit all sorts of things. And they love you know and the government loves to they love to sweep things under the rug by basically saying, I don't know, we don't know, who knows, right? Like, for example, uh what what about those uh, uh, mysterious objects that they blew up not that long ago? They shot out of the sky. We still don't know anything about those things, right? Do we know what they are yet? Has anyone actually told us? No, no, because they love to just say we don't know. Could be they're anything. St- they're
0: still looking for the debris.
2: <laughs> it's still looking for the debris. It's like give me a break. You know, we've had mass shootings in the past where we still don't know why they happened. Remember that one in Vegas that happened all those years ago? We still don't know why that happened. No one has told us. We can't figure it out. It's like they they love to just not to, to sweep things under the rug by just saying we don't know. That's like, That's the easiest way for them to deal with something. So it would have been so easy for them to do that with this. And let the media, let let media reports come out and speculate why this happened, what the origin was, you know, whatever. But it would have been so easy for them to say, we don't know. So why, why come out now and say, um, actually, you know, we think it might have been China. And it's like, really? Well, that's what everyone with common sense has been thinking for a while, at least as a possibility. So it seems strange that you're now admitting it after years of denying it. There must be a reason. There must
0: be a reason. I I have some potential speculation uh, on that, but let's save it. Let's just stick to initial reactions first. Chris, what are your thoughts?
3: Well, I'm glad that common sense has finally won the day because anyone with an ounce, one iota of common sense would think to themselves... The virus emanated from Wuhan, China. Wuhan Institute of Virology is a super, like super max level four, you know, uh, 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 basically like a bioterror center in which the uh, Chinese uh, government, the CCP, has been using bat viruses to manufacture Frankenstein coronaviruses for many years. I wrote an article about this and Everything that has been said has already been said, but in 2017, the U.S. State Department uh, issued a bunch of uh, cables saying that the uh, safety standards at the Wuhan Institute of Virology was extremely sloppy, was akin to a dental office. This is the place where they were experimenting with uh, coronavirus and uh, gain-of-function research, which was, we all know, uh, partially funded by Dr. Fauci. And uh, some of his uh, friends in high places, the EcoHealth Alliance, you know, and and, and so forth. Uh, so I, I think it was just blatantly obvious that this was the, the origin of the virus to begin with. And as soon as a couple of people started to say that, one of them, uh, you know, was uh, Tom... Uh, the senator from uh, Arkansas, Tom Cotton, and he was immediately portrayed as some wild conspiracy nutcase. This was, of course, had to be uh, from the wet market, but everything just didn't make sense because the wet market. They said it was a bat and a pangolin. Bats and pangolins aren't sold in the wet market. They scrubbed the wet market. Every single thing they said at the beginning turned out to just you know be completely false. You know, Occam's Razor says the most likely scenario is probably your answer. And the most likely scenario is that they were experimenting with uh, coronavirus uh, bats in the Wuhan Institute of Virology and it was accidentally unleashed and the CCP covered it up. But never forget that they prevented any flights from Wuhan into other uh, parts in in cities in China, but they kept the flights going from Wuhan to uh, Europe and to the United States because I think they knew early on probably in uh, late November or December of 2019 that it was a pandemic and they wanted to make sure that the pain was felt as much as possible in the west because they knew that they were in for a world of pain and I, I, I'm confused though I'm, I'm very confused
0: because you know this just goes against the consensus I mean there was a wide consensus that this was a bat soup from a wet market And then everything else was just crazy talk. And I actually have a a video here. This is a compilation put together by The Blaze that uh, we're going to play here uh, of, of, you know, all the experts weighing in, you know, the consensus is in. Go ahead and play that, Andy. Leak is a theory
2: with no evidence whatsoever. There is zero evidence that this virus came out of a lab in China.
3: There's no suggestion that this was cooked up
0: in
4: some sort of lab. There's
1: no evidence that there's that conspiracy theory that we've heard going around uh, was leaked from a lab.
4: A conspiracy theory that the Chinese made yeah. this virus up North North 11, there you go. in a lab. An unsubstantiated theory. It's about a government laboratory in Wuhan that was the origin of COVID. Now, I've seen this kind of, you know, stuff peddled in the right-wing media, and I'm still
2: trying to <laughs> keep an eye conspiracy on theory. but it's still stunning to read it. There's just no evidence that anybody had it in the lab anywhere in the world prior to the yeah. outbreak. One of Trump world's most favorite conspiracy Trump theories. The New York <laughs> Times reports this, quote, senior Trump administration officials have put american spy agencies to hunt for evidence to support an unsubstantiated theory that a government lab in Wuhan, Can you believe China that Trump would look for evidence?
0: Unbelievable. Outbreak.
4: That's according to current and former American officials. U.S. officials have yet to offer credible proof the virus came from the Wuhan lab, a theory that's also being shot down by Dr. Anthony Fauci <laughs> for lacking any scientific evidence. It's very, very strongly leaning towards this could not have been artificially or deliberately. Could not have been. No
3: regulated. way.
4: Impossible. It's a new, dangerous conspiracy <sighs> theory. I mean, this is, this is serious stuff. worry mm-hmm. about your ratings for one week. Don't, don't try to, don't try to spool up, uh, some of whoever was wearing tin, tinfoil hats in your <laughs> audience. But that's what's happening. We're still, these conspiracy theorists are still saying things that are going to be extraordinarily dangerous mm. for this country. So dangerous in the dangerous is I remember when the
1: far left trafficked in rumors about HIV having been invented in CIA labs. The far right has now found its own virus conspiracy theory.
2: You know, the conspiracy theories out there have essentially closed down communication yep. between <laughs> scientists in China and scientists in the US. We need that communication in an outbreak to learn from them how they controlled it so we can control it better. Oh yeah, they did and great. It's, it's sad to say, but it will probably cost lives. Yes, mm, yes. 27 yes. public health scientists
1: from across the US and the world wrote this letter in the journal lancet Ooh.
0: condemning conspiracy theories and citing scientific evidence all right I, I think we US get the Central idea for here Disease yeah. control can we, can we skip to the mm-hmm. end though where it goes back to like and- yes yeah here at the end because uh, it, it caps off really nicely. And a new really report nicely. is fueling
2: a debate over how the COVID-19 pandemic started. The Wall Street Journal reports the U.S. Energy Department has concluded the pandemic most
4: likely started oh. with an accidental lab leak. We've Whoops. said it here. Now, I remember Tom Cotton got attacked by some newspaper. I forget it. Maybe it was the Times. I forget who it was. Uh, for talking about the possibility of a lab leak. And we said on the show, we don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. <laughs> oh, yeah, you wow. were just totally objective. Totally <laughs> objective. No! Yeah. You, know,
3: you know, Donnie, just oh. real quick, one thing I wish Donald Trump would have done, I wish he would have pressed this issue more because I think he was too, uh, you know, like silent about it. I wish he would have really just come straight out from the get-go and said, this came from China, but he didn't do that. I wish he would have.
0: I mean, he did refer to it as the China virus a whole lot. But uh, Jim, uh, <laughs> after seeing that whole montage of, uh, of again, the consensus is in. Uh, I, how, how are these people even just like grasping with reality after talking about how this was just nothing but conspiracy theories for years? Yeah, it,
1: it's infuriating that part, but like I'm glad you, I'm glad Andy was able to skip to the end there. And then you know, Joe Scarborough, morning, morning schmo, as uh, Mark Levin calls him, uh, he should be called worse. Says, hey, yeah, when this happened, you know, we said, you know, hey, could be, could not be, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. BS, man. <laughs> and we have, and of course, our friends at Blaze TV putting that together have the receipts, as they say. You called it a conspiracy theory. That it came from uh, a lab leak. Uh, again, as as John Stewart said, to the horror of Stephen Colbert on his on his show, yeah. that it made common sense. and It was 100 percent logical, not a conspiracy theory, logical that a dangerous weaponized virus came out of a lab that creates dangerous weaponized viruses. Now, right. you know, and guess who runs that that lab? The Chinese military runs that lab. Um, and so, there actually needs to be a little bit more investigation into that. Of course, you know we will never really know the truth. So you just have to use common sense and use the the evidence. The, and all through that that clip, there's no evidence this came from uh, a, came from a lab. Well, no, because China is not letting anybody see anything. They're not letting people do a proper investigation the world health organization just deferred everything to the chinese communist party and of course they wanted to exonerate themselves from either making a mistake or something even more nefarious now look it you know what there was never any evidence of and there still isn't to this day that it came from an animal naturally they have been looking now for 3 years for a pangolin a bat to who knows what else where this where, where this is actually happening in nature among the animal kingdom they haven't found it and that's because logically again you could use your brain It didn't come naturally. It didn't come from animals to humans. I mean, one of the clips there, we may not have gotten to it, and some expert that uh, Scott Pelley was interviewing on 60 Minutes says that we know from science that these kind of viruses come from nature and then then infect human beings. Yes, yes, that is kind of like lying by omission. We do know that. That is true. But there is no evidence that Corona-19 came that way into the human population. And the idea that it's a conspiracy theory to suggest that, golly, the 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 lab that actually does these sorts of things had an accident and let it out, and it was called disinformation. There is a COVID nine, there's a COVID theres a covid 19 warning label on this very video. As soon as we posted it yesterday, to go live today, a COVID nineteen right. warning video that sends you to a link to uh, c- supposedly correct misinformation and disinformation. And, and and speculating or using logic and common sense that maybe that lab had something to do with this was called disinformation, misinformation and a conspiracy theory. And it was also called racist. It was racist to talk about this. When, when Trump called it the China virus, he was accused of xenophobia and racism. Uh, so we we our media is completely corrupt and broken. And none of this was a conspiracy theory. It was a logical uh, explanation for one of the worst things to happen to the human population in history, 7 million people are dead. We should be able to talk about where the hell this virus came from without being accused of spreading disinformation or, or wearing tinfoil hats. I have yeah. several tinfoil hats. My favorite is the fedora, <laughs> and I only really bring it out for special occasions. And today's pretty special occasion. I probably should have brought it out.
3: Hey, I, Donnie, I think, I think a little bit of context is also needed because remember, this was in early 2020 when it looked as if Donald Trump was going to be reelected and the media immediately pivoted away from blaming China to blaming Trump. So I think there were two main reasons why the media chose to go to, down the road that they did. Number one, Dr. Fauci was behind the scenes saying, don't look under, don't do anything here. Dr. Fauci edited that Lancet article saying that uh, the virus was most likely uh, you know, a, a natural occurrence. Dr. Fauci had a hand in the uh, Wuhan Institute of Virology and the uh, uh, genetic engineering that was going on there and then also the media just could not could not help themselves but use this to berate Donald Trump so they used the covid-19 pandemic instead of saying okay let's like you know get americans together to uh, to you know conquer this it was let's blame as much as we can president trump because we want him to uh, you know, be out of office in 2024. I truly firmly yeah. believe that. You
0: know, it's like the media media doing doing their little song and dance is is one thing. It's like you know, you turn on MSNBC and they're giving their opinions about this, and their opinion was that this theory is wacko and crazy and and whatever. They're trying to they're trying to make it seem like it's news and objective, but it's just their opinion. But, like, what takes it a step further, in my opinion, and, and Justin, I'll go to you on this one, is the social media's reaction to it. Because it's not like social media is putting out their own news. Twitter is not putting out their own news. Facebook's not putting out their own news. They just choose what news or what content gets through the filter and what stuff gets blocked. So when these crazy conspiracies were going around, uh, the big
3: tech uh, uh, took some action. Twitter, from the get- but labeled. they were doing it at the behest of the government. They weren't doing that on their own volition. That's I think that's a very important point to really uh, underscore here. That's they sure. were not. They were doing it because the uh, CDC and all the you know government bureaucrats were telling them to do that, and they were uh, worried about getting on the wrong side of the uh, you know the government bureaucrats.
0: Yeah, they they were uh, labeling tweets uh, about the lab leak theory as misinformation. Facebook announced that they would remove any debunked claims about the coronavirus and vaccines, including that COVID-19 was man-made or manufactured in any way. Facebook reversed course in 2021 uh, after some of those reports started coming out saying, yeah, it might have been a lab leak. But like... These corporations hold so much power, uh, they, they control so much of the news dissemination and the public discourse, and, and they should just stop and think, you know, what, what, like, what if we're wrong? You know, the World Health Health Organization, uh, the CDC is telling us is definitely not a blab leak. Well, you know, what if they're wrong? Uh, the U.S. intelligence community is telling us that the Hunter Biden laptop story is Russian disinformation. What if they're wrong? Greta Thunberg is telling us that climate change is an existential threat to humanity, and the only way to stop is if we shut down all reliable energy and, and turn solely to wind and solar. Uh, wind and solar. Uh, what if she's wrong? But they never stop and think that. They just take a hard stance and say, nope, if you talk about this lab leak thing, we're shutting you down. Uh, Justin, what's your thoughts on that?
2: I mean, it, it actually makes sense. You're asking the question rhetorically, What if what if they're wrong? Well, that's the that's the genius of what they're doing. If they're wrong, then they still get the benefits of of what they're doing. the The whole purpose of talking about um, climate change as an existential threat, or COVID nineteen as you know something that emerged out of a wet market rather than um, something that was cooked up in a in a lab in China um the mask mandates the government lockdowns um we could go on and on and on and on and on the co- the the uh Hunter Biden laptop story you you got to ask yourself what if they're wrong do they get some, is there some benefit to them if they're even if they're wrong and the answer is in all those cases yes see so if you ne- if if you're, if your framework is if you're approaching this from the perspective of well if if we get this report wrong, is something positive still going to come out of it? Yes. If we're if we happen to be right, will something positive come out of this? Yes. See, they've they've created positions for themselves where it doesn't matter if they're right or wrong, they still get something that they want. Right. They might be wrong and they and that maybe makes them look bad in the future. That's a future problem. In in the present of when they're dealing with these situations, do they d- does does an ideologically driven media that wants greater government intervention in every aspect of our lives, more control for centralized institutions and elites and big banks and corporations, et cetera, do they get something out of that report, whether it's right or wrong? The answer is in all those cases, yes. So it doesn't matter to them whether they're right or wrong. So I I think that that's the danger of an ideologically driven news media, not opinion commentary we all understand that both the left and the right um there's opinion commentary that's that's fine but the news media and social media working in concert with each other and government also working all together to paint a narrative that benefits all of these institutions um is extremely dangerous right and the whole purpose of the media is to is to be a watchdog for the people against these powerful institutions, and the opposite has happened. They've now become part altogether of a one ruling class that does what's in their own best interests. And sometimes that's in your interest too, and sometimes it isn't. But either way, they will ultimately get some kind of benefit out of it, which is why it's so important for these institutions to not be as powerful and influential as they are now, because they have not handled the, the responsibility that they've been given well
0: well yeah it's chris i mean it just comes down to like just a, an absolute crazy amount of tribalism where it's like if oh, oh did did trump just say that oh then it's terrible and it's conspiracy theorists and it's totally wrong and you know i brought up the john stewart uh the john stewart clip you know he was on Colbert, he talked about that so he's got his own show uh i forget what the name of it but it's a podcast and he was he was just recently he was doing an episode And the topic was brought up. This new story about the U.S. Department of Energy came up. And uh, uh, he says to the co-host after bringing it up, are you trying to get me canceled again? And he says that after he did that bit on the Colbert show uh, where he expressed what he felt about the likely origins of the virus, he was met with two overall takeaways from critics. And they were, "Uh, I'm racist against Asian people. And how dare I align myself with the alt-right? just for insinuating that this novel respiratory coronavirus came from the novel respiratory coronavirus (laughs) lab in Wuhan. So he recounts how the backlash was swift, immediate, and quite loud. And the discussion between the people on the show was quite good. Or listen to the whole segment and they talked about how tribalism has run amok and how the media machine is less interested in informing people and more interested in creating foot soldiers in some sort of ideological war where there's nothing but black and white nothing can have nuance you must fall in line with every tenant of the agenda and the narrative or you'll be ostracized and forever banned from ever being part of the club Uh, I mean do you think uh, he's on point with this as much as I do
3: I absolutely do and I think that the reason why he did come out and say that is because he's brave. He doesn't uh, have a daily show anymore. So he's not uh, tethered to the, you know, the media complex like he once was. So I think he has the freedom to do that. Uh, but what I also, you know, am worried about is the media has a tendency to do this. I've been watching, you know, politics and culture for you know almost 20 years now, like pretty closely. And, uh, you know, when when a story breaks, they jump to their conclusion and then either a week later or a month later or in this case 3 years later they retract it and say oh by the way you know he- here's the real story but the problem is is that you know the vast majority of Americans don't they don't read the corrections or the retractions and that initial narrative that is spawned still exists And whether it's mask mandates, whether it's the COVID uh, lab leak theory or the Biden laptop or the Russia collusion or like no matter what it is, it's that immediate just, you know, uh, fury of uh, news coverage where they, you know, go all in and they all speak from the same song sheet and they all just, you know, repeat the same talking points again and again and again. And then, you know, after a period of time, once again, it's sometimes it's weeks, sometimes it's years. Then we learn the truth, and then it's like, oh, shucks. Well, yeah, I guess we kind of weren't totally right on that one. But <laughs> by that, by, but by that point, I think that that initial narrative that they you know threw out in the ether there that sticks. And that's what's really frustrating is, right. you know, I, I, here we are now in 2023. We're three years after the pandemic. And now they're finally saying mask mandates didn't work and school closures were, you know, worthless. And the vaccines don't uh, offer as uh, great immunity as natural immunity. But where were all these things when, when, it, when the debate was being had? The debate's over. That's what's so frustrating.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, Jim. Uh, one of one of the first comments brought up uh, on this panel, I think Justin mentioned, was just kind of like, "Oh, it's kind of interesting that this is happening now." So, what do you what do you think that it is? Do you think that this is just like a, a the equivalent of a page uh, twenty seven correction about the headline story from three years ago? Or do you think that there's something else going on here? I will say that I was listening to Glenn Beck talking about this on his uh, the Glenn Beck radio program. And he speculated that the sudden willingness to acknowledge the likely origin of this virus may be tied to a potential ramping up of hostilities against the CCP in the midst of the ongoing posturing between world powers and, and countries and all of that. Um, so I don't know. What do you think? I mean, those are kind of the extremes. There's page 26, correction. Ramping up for conflict. Somewhere in the middle. Where do you think?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think I think as Chris and I think Justin also alluded to, uh, you know, blaming this on Trump has lost its, uh, you know, some of its cachet, obviously, because he's not in office anymore. Um, so you know, it, it could be, it could be because of that. I mean, I don't think, you, you know, the thing is, I don't think a lot of the people actually believed the whole. Nobody but the work operating brain and with any common sense at all believed the whole animal thing. Uh, they they believed that it was most likely, not for certain, but it's certainly likely that it came from a lab in which these sorts of things are made. No matter what the media says is a conspiracy theory and they do that to get people to not to not believe it. I mean, but anybody who has a brain that's operating would know that they're being gaslit on that. They're being lied to on that. And let's also remember there was actually a hearing on the house, I don't know what committee, but there was a house hearing this week and I know it was in the house because it was trying to get at the truth and run by the Republicans on this issue. But uh, it was repeated. And this has been known now, I think, for at least a year, maybe two years, when uh, Dr. Fauci's uh, emails became public. I think it, they were foia but they were released. And, uh, you know, in late January, he convened a, uh, you know, basically an email group saying, you know what, hey, geez, what the hell's going on here? This is terrible. And he received emails from experts who said, hey, you know what? This looks like a lab leak. This looks like that's that's what it looks like. These these have the markings of something that was manufactured in a lab, not not something from nature. And within two days, those people that were saying that to him in emails changed their tune and sung from yeah. the it comes from nature playbook. And guess what happened to those scientists um, uh, shortly after that happened? Again, this all came out in the hearing. They got millions of dollars in in NIH grant money from the federal government. Hmm. Uh, so. I'm glad there's hearings on this and that we could learn about this, but you know, there's so much about this that wasn't reported at the time, or if it was, it was in conservative media, and people had to seek it out for themselves. But 60 Minutes should have been doing stories on this. CNN, yeah. MSNBC should have been doing stories on this, and instead they called it a conspiracy theory. And you know, Justin, you said before, it's like you know, so what if they're wrong? Whether they're wrong or they're right, they still get the benefits out of it, right? the the The, the trouble with that is there's no accountability for being wrong you know if we're if we were wrong about it and actually it's gonna turn out that we were right because we were saying this looked like a lab thing a year ago two years ago um, the the accountability for us if we were wrong was that well you know maybe people won't watch the show as much maybe they'll think that our credibility is in the toilet but when you're in a position of enormous government power and you are completely wrong or you're lying to us there is no accountability Joe Scarborough will just say hey you know you know people said maybe it was maybe it wasn't no you're lying See, and, and then, but even us, so then flip it back around. So, you know, if it was a conspiracy theory, you know, you're allowed to be wrong. Yeah. Um, and, and you're allowed to, you're allowed to be wrong or or, or make an educated guess or share your views on the world Speculate. and not have it labeled misinformation or disinformation and suppressed or have it cost you your job. That's, that's not what America is about. That's not how it's supposed to work. And when you see these media giants just completely gaslight us and lie about stuff. And there's no accountability when, when, when high-powered government officials lie to us like Fauci did. And there's no accountability. He gets book deals. He's the highest paid uh, federal bureaucrat in our government. And now he just, you know, just goes off into the sunset with an enormous pension and book deals. This is what infuriates me and I th- I'm sure a lot of other people. But yeah, uh, John, this is, John Z this...
0: says, go, Jim, get the coffee rant out. Unfortunately, <laughs> Jim dropped his coffee before yeah. the start of the show. So I always
1: do a full pot. I'm, I'm fine. Donnie, oh.
3: you, <laughs> you, you know, I, I, I completely agree with everything Jim said. But what strikes me is how in the past, like five or six, seven years, the media is they, they think that they are so right on everything and they never, uh you know, have have a debate on these things. It's just we're 100 percent right and and we're you know not even going to give the other side any sort of uh you know uh, grounds to to defend themselves we're 100% right it's just that 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 is not science and especially when you're dealing with something that is you know that that it, that is uh you know science uh you know related i mm-hmm. mean this is this is not like an opinion thing but they so- come in with with their their hard opinions and they just state you know, stuck to them no matter Just, what.
0: Justin, I want to get to another topic, so make it quick.
2: Nah, forget it then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, it's not so, going to be quick. So, so I mean, it's, it's COVID related, but there was another interesting story that uh, about COVID that came out in the New York Times recently in a piece titled, The Mask Mandates Did Nothing. Will any lessons be learned? Again, New York Times published this piece. So in the piece, the author writes, the most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the speed of respiratory illnesses, including COVID-19, was published late last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist, who is the lead author, were unambiguous. Quote, there is no evidence to say That they, masks, make any difference? He told the journalist um, (laughs) uh, Marianne Demasi, full stop. But wait, hold on. What about the uh, N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality surgical or cloth masks? Makes no difference. None of it, said Jefferson. What about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? These observations didn't come from just anywhere, Jefferson and 11 colleagues conducted the study for Cochrane, a British nonprofit that is widely considered the gold standard for its reviews of healthcare data. The conclusions were based on 78 randomized controlled trials, six of them during the COVID pandemic, with a total of 610,872 participants in multiple countries. And they track that uh, has been widely... Uh, observed in the United States states with mask mandates fared no better against COVID than those without. So essentially the masks did nothing to stop the spread of COVID. Uh, If I'm being generous the reasons why these mask mandates were put in place were to just do something give people the false promise of safety when they did have to journey out into the scary Mm, world full of germs.
3: I, I think it was more to perpetuate the crisis mentality personally
0: uh maybe that too but uh Justin I'll give you first whack on this what are your thoughts
2: um well I kind of going back to I mean this does kind of go back to something that I was gonna gonna mention before I don't (laughs) I I don't know why if you were the media in the heart of the pandemic you would report that masks don't work like, and I don't know why, if you were the, an ideologically driven media, why you would report that China lab, a uh, Chinese lab league could be the cause of the pandemic. I don't know why you would do that. I don't know why you would report that Hunter Biden, you know, the whole laptop thing, and is Joe Biden the big man and the emails that we see? Was there lots of corruption with this candidate and all of that coming out right before the election? you know, why, why would you report that? Why would you report that lockdowns don't work? Why would you report like, th- th- this is the thing it's, it's like people behave, we're, we're free market people, right? So we all believe that people make decisions in their own best interests, right? That's how we, that's what we believe. We believe that's, that's the primary reason why market forces work, free markets work, etc. They make their just, but what is the motivation for these, people at these major media outlets to actually tell the truth on these things it doesn't help their agenda right so when you when you lived in a world when you had a world where the media was more ideologically at least somewhat more ideologically balanced it made more sense when you lived in a world when conservatives were also watching abc and NBC and cbs and all of that they had at least some reason to do it because they even if they were leaning to the left they want to retain you know their audience but now the vast majority of conservatives are gone they're not watching CBS and CNN and NBC anyway right there's no ideological the the vast majority of the people working at these institutions are left-wing people we know that for basically a fact so why would they do it and that and that's just because they want to be good journalists they want to be honest it's like Th- that that went out the window with Donald Trump becoming president, as they very clearly said. They, I mean, they were out in the open. Their biggest mistake was not being more ideologically driven during that campaign. That was their biggest mistake. And they said they'll never allow that to happen again. And ever since that election, ever since Donald Trump won the presidential election in 2016, the media has gone way off the deep end, even by their own previous standards of being really biased. They've gone way off the deep end. And and I don't think they'll ever come back because ideologically, there's no reason for them to do it. So I guess the only thing that could happen to make them... Change is is a market force driving that change, which would be people don't watch anymore, right? Or their their media empires are collapsed. That's already happening, and it doesn't <laughs> matter. They still are doing it anyway because that most of the damage is already done. So I don't know what the solution is to the problem, but at the same time, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't even blame them in in a way because they if you're ideologically driven. And, and these stories, covering them in a fair and honest and balanced way doesn't help your ideology, then of course you're not going to make the right decision. You're not going to do the thing that's honest. You're going to do whatever is going to move the narrative in the right direction for you.
0: I still blame them. Uh, so, Jim, it's not like these masses did nothing. Uh, I mean, it's it, they definitely did something. So what they did do is, is plenty of harm. Uh, From the psychological effects of isolating people and dehumanizing people to the developmental stunting of children who learn and absorb, uh, you know, the, the ways of speech by watching people talk to the brute authoritarian measures, not only from the government, but from people yelling and screaming at each other for daring to enter a public space without a useless mask strapped across their face. So they didn't do nothing, Jim. Oh, he's muted. Rookie mistake. You got to forgive him, folks. He's still uh, uh, jet was, lagged.
1: Every time I type with the thing on, with the microphone on, he, he yells at me. So, all right. But yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, we it didn't do nothing. It did an enormous amount of harm. I mean, we uh, totally upended our entire society, stopped our entire society for nothing. Um, we made people wear masks on airplanes, um, you know, for nothing because the masks didn't work. And anybody, again, with common sense, could have said, you know, the virus is a lot smaller. It's a lot smaller than these little holes in my, in my mask. That doesn't matter. You have to wear them. You must wear them everywhere. You must do that. And to say that masks are useless and I hate them and I don't want to wear them uh, was called disinformation and misinformation and got you banned, got you otherized by our government. In fact, anything you said that opposed uh, government information, the, the official government line on anything to do with COVID Got you, uh, got you banned and, and also got you accused by your fellow Americans of killing people. If you suggested, you know, maybe we should do a cost benefit analysis on some of this stuff, uh, like shutting down the entire economy. No, if you do that, you're putting profit over people's lives. Right. Doctors and nurses. We are celebrating them. You know, I think in, in London for a couple of months at 7 p.m. every night, they were encouraged to stand outside their homes and bang pots and pans together to celebrate their beloved NHS. You know, six months later, we're firing doctors and nurses who don't want to get the uh, the vaccine, which is, you know, it's crazy. You know, uh, all of the stuff about COVID, none of it made any difference at all. It's not just the masks, it's everything else. If you get the vaccine, if you don't get the vaccine, if you get the boosters, you don't get the boosters, you still get COVID. Nothing really has really changed. Most young people never should have gotten the shot, but we had to make sure everybody got it. People that's died alone. True, Donnie, people Jim, died alone in their in in nursing homes because their families couldn't visit them "Eh, oh well hey i guess we were wrong about that sorry you know some people said you know maybe we should have no no you guys did this in government you did this you shut down our entire society over nothing none of these measures helped stop covid they didn't save any lives at all they just made all of our lives much much more miserable children's children's education that's not coming back shutting down those schools making kids wear masks, making them miserable the psychological damage alone just to children is such a huge crime and nobody's going to be held accountable for this so so you know because it's not misinformation or disinformation when is Dr Anthony fauci going to be um, asked about any of this when is he going to be deplatformed? never never that's when because her society is run by these these people who have contempt for anybody who doesn't follow the government line
0: uh, uh, out of risk of using up the rest of our time, uh, I saw Justin in disagreement with at least one point Jim was making. Do you want to air that? Oh, I'm shocked.
1: Shocking.
2: <laughs> okay. So, f- first of all, just a couple of things. Number one, the story actually, just, just to be, I'm not making a commentary about whether I agree with this or not, but okay. the story is very clear in the New York Times that it, it does not say that masks do not work. That's not what it says. What it says is mask mandates do not work on a population size level. He goes out of his way to point out that there could be situations where masks made sense for certain people or whatever. Right. The text very clearly says that. So I just want to make that clear so that we're not putting words in the author's mouth. That's, a good, that's a good nuance well, to I, include. I, I, I
1: already got this video banned anyway, so go keep going. No,
2: number, <laughs> number two. I, th- I I totally agree that there was a, me- that the lockdowns especially, and that a variety of different policies, mask mandates on planes and things like that, a lot of that made absolutely no sense logically, and just the data shows that and everything. Com- I agree with that. And I do think that there was a lot of harm caused, especially by the lockdown. I think the lockdowns were the most dangerous thing. I don't think the mask mandates were anywhere near as dangerous as the lockdowns were sure. problematic. But um, but the idea that the idea that the vaccines did nothing, which was a comment that was made several times, like is me. statistically not accurate. Okay. They, they've overwhelmingly the evidence shows that it it does not prevent people from getting COVID, but it does significantly reduce the risk of dying from COVID. That's an that is it's- that is clearly, clearly established. It makes you more likely to get it, actually. Yes. But it makes it far less likely that you will die from it. So if to you're say in a vulnerable population, nothing,
1: if you're a vulnerable population, if you're in a vulnerable population, no, for if-
2: everybody, for everyone, it makes it less likely because Fine. less likely is a relative term. So we it, were told it would that. be less like when, we, when the
1: mandates. When the what the data shows, mandate, Jim. There, we were not told that it would just help us uh, survive; it make it easier to survive the, the virus. We were told. If you get the vaccine, you won't get COVID. Get yes. the shot. Well, well but that's, that,
3: that, that is a definition of a vaccine. And Justin, the CDC changed the definition of a vaccine from produces immunity to produces inf- uh, protection. Mm-hmm. So the CDC knew uh, at the time, and uh, thanks to Project Veritas, we know that Pfizer knew at the time that the vaccines, and I, uh, we should call them so-called vaccines because they're not vaccines in the classic definition of the term they didn't actually do what they what the uh, drug companies and what the government officials and the scientists said they were going to do but that's, so, a, that's yes, a separate issue like, i know not, but i'm
2: not debating whether i'm not debating whether the vaccines did everything that they were promised to do my point was the the statement was made very very plainly on multiple occasions they did nothing nothing was the word that was used nothing and my point is the data very clearly shows that that's not accurate they offered they
3: offered protection but they did not offer immunity which is what a vaccine is supposed to do so they were more like a medicine than a vaccine there's somebody
1: on this podcast who does not Maybe have the vaccines so. and his 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 uh, experience with the vaccine is no different than anybody or with the disease is no different that's, than anybody else's
2: that that makes no, that that's completely that, what does that matter that doesn't so, matter. Yeah, well, wait, 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 guys, guys, data. guys, guys, base guys, guys, based on data, and but the here, data but... overwhelmingly shows that vaccines did, in fact, reduce the likelihood of dying for every class of people that took them. That's guys, a, that's a statistical fact.
3: But but so I think... that's
2: all I'm saying. That's all I'm all saying. Right, it all doesn't
3: right, I, I, I Justin, Justin I, I I agree with you on that. But um, what what I think one of the uh, articles was saying was the government was uh, mandating this vaccine while at the same time saying that if you had natural immunity, that that wasn't nearly as potent as the vaccine. They went out of their way because I remember it was a a pandemic of the unvaccinated. They Mm -hmm. really hit that point in 2021 after Joe Biden came into office and all the uh, vaccine mandates came down. We now know that, uh, and this is from scientific papers, that natural immunity is superior to the vaccine. Sure. So not only did they completely lie about it and saying that natural immunity is, is like this myth, like what are they talking about? Now we know that vaccine is, uh, that natural immunity is superior to the But, their, it, but to again, their vaccine. I'm
2: not I'm not disputing every I'm not suggesting everything that was said or promised. I'm all is was accurate. All I'm saying is the idea that they did nothing. See, when you say that vaccines did nothing, what you're saying is whether we had the vaccines or not, everything would have been exactly the same, right? That's what you're saying. That's what nothing means. See, and my point is there is literally no data at all that suggests. That everything would be exactly the same.
3: What about had there what, what, been what, what, no what, what, vaccine. About, what about all the myocarditis and what about all the uh all the ramifications? If you and look negative, at the if you look at the data consequences of the of the uh, vaccine, and how about the fact that the vaccine was an experimental vaccine and you and, and you were forced to get it you, and you have no legal rails. recourse. This it, is absolutely yes, off uh, the rails. Because of course it is. Because, if you look uh, at the I mean, data, it totally Chris, is. Chris,
2: Chris, if you look at the data I agree with you, you on that point if you oh, look at the data you. and you calculate totally. the likelihood of dying from oh, i COVID, tot- i i
3: totally agree with you on that oh but let, me, let can, me finish yeah.
2: let me finish after being vaccinated Right. The number of people saved by that difference Correct. is significantly larger than the number of people who died from complications from it and other things. That would be the argument that they would that that these pharmaceutical companies have been making and it is statistically it is accurate. So my I'm not suggesting that we should have rushed the vaccine through. I'm not necessarily suggesting that everything that they said was accurate or that they didn't overpromise. I'm not saying any of that. I'm not saying vaccine mandates should should exist. I'm not saying that either. I'm a libertarian. I don't think that we should have mandates, generally speaking, on things like that. However, however, to say that they did nothing is not accurate. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying
3: that okay. they did nothing. Okay, all right, great, no, great, 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 all right, great, all right, great. All right, great. we made were, that point. That fantastic. They were, they were supposed great. to be the panacea, they weren't, they weren't. All
0: right, we're all in agreement now, fantastic. <laughs> So uh, look what I did look what I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks. What, Jim. What, Woody Harrelson was on SNL. Uh, he was attacked for making anti-vax statements. They weren't anti-vax. They were anti-vax mandates. Um, So that's that part. So that was promised in the foot in the notes for this. So there you go. There's our commentary on that. Justin, you wrote an article of, on Fox News that went pretty <laughs> viral. 40 seconds. 7, oh. 1792 exchange in a report on woke companies. Uh, the last time I checked, it had nearly 16,000 comments. Now, of course, we don't know how successful the article is in terms of page views or shares or anything like that. But 16,000 comments suggest that it did pretty well. Um, that's the end of our show, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, do you want to talk about it for like one and a half minutes? We can go a little long. Come on, let's do it.
2: No, no. Let, why don't we just we we'll just save it for another time? But the, the the basic the basics of it is 1792 Exchange is a great website. Check it out. They've done a, an analysis on uh, more than a thousand very large corporations and how they treat conservatives and how they treat religious, minor, uh, re- well, religion in general and the other practices that they've engaged in. And what they found was that there's a pretty large number of, of major corporations that have targeted conservatives, silenced conservatives, treated them differently, uh, treated religious groups differently, engaged in left wing activism, etc. Who are those companies? And um, should we be in giving our money to these companies and voting with our dollars, all of that information you can find at the 1792 exchange website. So I encourage you to check that out or check out the article I wrote for foxnews.com where I talk about the 51 largest companies, 51 of the largest companies, engaging in that kind
3: of activity. I need the audience members are. are yeah, are I see Andy an <laughs> is instigating a.
0: Is instigating a you know a go long chant over here, but uh, I haven't eaten lunch, <laughs> so I need to eat some food here. <laughs> Justin and I maybe we'll record a video and put it out separately about this uh, article and put it on. Stopping Socialism TV on YouTube. Um, But yeah, fun discussions, folks. Good one by Daniel there. We always have good discussions when it comes to COVID. Hopefully YouTube doesn't take this down because of some things that somebody over here had to say about stuff. It's, you know, come on. We had a debate. It's an interesting conversation, YouTube. Would you leave it up for the sake of open and honest dialogue? Uh, but no, we are going to wrap up the show. Uh, Jim Lakely, um, do you have any, any last words or anything you want to get off your chest before I wrap it up?
1: (laughs) I better her daughter this entire channel is <laughs> going to get nuked
0: so I'll yeah, just keep point. it good quiet point. now. Yeah. Alright well I want to thank everyone for tuning into this episode of the In the Tank Podcast. Join us every week for a new episode. Those audio only listeners that are catching the show on a Friday or later you can join us a day earlier on Thursdays at noon Central Time where we are live streaming on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and Rumble. You can join the conversation throw your comments and questions in the chat. Maybe we'll show your comments on the screen maybe we'll address your questions on the fly also you can help us out greatly by leaving a review on itunes for us for the audio only version if you're watching on youtube hitting that like button sharing this content subscribing if you haven't already all help break through that big tech algorithm that prevents content like this from being shown to more people jim Lakely, where can the fine people find you
1: for as long as you can get it at jay Lakely on twitter at heartland inst on twitter and always visit heartland.org uh justin haskin
0: same question
2: Uh, At Justin T. Haskins on Facebook, Twitter, Getter, Parler, and uh, (laughs) StoppingSocialism.com. Yeah, uh, well.
0: (laughs) And uh, Chris Talgo, what do you have to pitch today?
3: StoppingSocialism.com. Got some great new content up there. Go check it out. All right, fantastic.
0: Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you next week.